Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. And Arnie Sherman. You're listening to What Do You Know on News Talk KGVO, AM 1290 and 98.3 FM. Arnie Sherman, good Sunday morning to you. How good morning are you? to you, Scott. How are you? Good, thank you. So we're going to have an interesting show today. We're going to talk with uh, uh, Brigida Freer, or in some cases, Brigida Miranda Freer, depending on the day of the week, how she uh, uses her name. She's the executive director of the Montana World Trade Center. And you know, there are World Trade Centers all over the world that are part of a network that uh, – was started by the World Trade Center in New York City. And uh, Montana has one. The license is held by the University of Montana. And as you know, I ran it for a number of years. Um, and uh, Brigitte was, worked for me f- for a while at the World Trade Center. And then she went off to do some other work. And then she came back and was hired as the executive director to replace me. And she's been doing amazing things there. She also has taken on a broader portfolio of activity representing Montech, which as many of our listeners know is the uh, is the business incubator in town. She's also uh, involved with uh, the innovation gateway corridor that Ma- Missoula is becoming uh, mm-hmm. you know sort of a technology leader in and uh, um, doing a lot of work with women entrepreneurs and women leaders. So uh, and they just got a big grant at the uh, university um, from Google. from Google to help indigenous women entrepreneurs. So there are lots of things going on in the World Trade Center and its portfolio of uh, activities has expanded. And I thought it would be a good time uh, um, now to uh, chat with her about what they've been involved in and what they've been doing. Absolutely. She's got an incredible background. It's very diverse. And look, coming out of uh, almost two years of COVID, I'd love to understand also about how her world has changed and how what she does has changed in that time, because that's really, hate to say it, but it's a common thread that we ask a lot of our guests these days is how did they uh, fare over the last few years, yep. um, right? But anyway, let us let us take a break, and when we come back, we will we'll join our guest, Brigitte Freer, back after this. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hey, we are back with our guest, Brigitte Miranda Freer, the executive director of the Montana World Trade Center. Brigitte, it's good to see you this morning. How are you doing? I'm great. How are you? You know, I think I think we're all uh, getting ready here for winter in Missoula, Montana. So, uh, I well, think ready or not, it's here. Yeah, it's here. Whether you like it or not, you know, it's funny that every once in a while on social media you get these flashbacks. They'll send you pictures from years ago and. Pretty much at this time of the year, all my old pictures are like of snow on the ground and, you know, weather that uh, we shouldn't be having in uh, November, what we are having. So, uh, but I think, I think we're all good. So tell our listeners who aren't familiar with having a World Trade Center, you know, in Missoula, Montana, what, what, what the organization is all about. Right. What is it you'd say you do here, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, well, right. So Montana World Trade Center is a world trade center. There are about 300 of them in 100 countries around the globe. This one happens to be housed at the University of Montana. You know that, Arnie, because you used to actually work there Correct. <laughs> back in the day. And then I was um, paroled. Yeah. And, uh, you know, now I'm on the work release. So. Yep, yep. <laughs> well, um, so... 
Our mission is to grow Montana's international trade and investment portfolio. And uh, we do that pretty much through three main buckets of work. That's direct kind of on-demand technical assistance to businesses, uh, trainings and forums that we put together, and statewide initiatives that we think will move the needle on uh, Montana's international trade and investment portfolio. So that could be like our work on the foreign direct investment front or the fact that we do an annual trade survey, trade missions, things like that. So as if that wasn't enough to occupy your time, yeah. the university has also given you another bucket of responsibilities. Uh, as, so tell, tell us what that's, what, what that's inclusive of. Sure. Um, well, we all wear many hats in Montana, so I'm not going to, I don't complain about that for sure. And in fact, it's, it's exciting work. Um, WTC and I specifically play a role in overseeing operations at Montech, which is the Montana Technology Enterprise Center. So it's a technology incubator that's across the river from the University of Montana. Um, and what we're doing right now is, is planning for an innovation corridor gateway project there. So really kind of um, leveraging the critical mass that we have with a completely full Montech, and it has been for a couple of years. Uh, we've got some bioscience firms there that are really bursting at the seams. Um, so trying to get some uh, space out in front of them and, and solving for that pain point. And then, you know, again, leveraging that to create something even bigger on site, right? Something that will house best in class businesses from startups uh, to established firms. That's the goal. Well, you know, Montech also, uh, it was in the news, just got a grant from Google. Yeah. And, and uh, that's pretty exciting. So tell us about that. Well, I can tell you very little about that one uh, because it wasn't my doing specifically. So Montech and the Google grant came uh, about because of the work of Morgan Slenberger, uh, who's part of the Accelerate Montana team, the University of Montana. And uh, she worked hard for a number of months on this top secret award. And um, I think this is going to be something you have to edit, Arnie, because I don't have all the details on it. Sorry. Yeah, it's I believe that it's it's trying to facilitate tribal. Um, well, on, entrepreneurship as a career in some of our tribal and more rural parts of our state. So. Yeah, I think there's going to be a partnership between Montech and several of the tr tribes and probably Salish Kootenai College because it's an $850,000 grant, which is substantial. And I think there were only a handful of them awarded around the United States. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. And, the last, and okay. so Montech, um, so the university of Montana has a number of different sort of outward facing business serving units, right? Um, everything Montana World Trade Center does fit into that bucket. The Small Business Development Center is in that bucket. Procurement and Technical Assistance Center, Launchpad, um, you know, AMRI. So there are just a number of different organizations that are sort of geared towards um, economic development work of some kind. And those all those organizations, I'm sorry yeah. to interrupt you, but did all those organizations have a forum to facilitate working together? And like, do you have an act like a weekly or monthly kind of get together with all the different EDs? Yeah, we, we do actually. And it's been via Zoom for the last several months, but we get together every week and uh, the faces on the screen, uh, um, there are more and more of them, but um, it's the, the suite of programs is called Accelerate Montana. So there are a number of different programs. Again, these are these outward-facing, business-serving uh, programs that are um, working with businesses and entrepreneurs across the state in some cases. So who has it to, for, for our audience, name some of the folks that have a seat at that table. Is it uh, Paul with uh, Blackstone, the Launchpad? Mm -hmm. Paul, Paul Gladen. Yep, yep. Mike Braun uh, is uh, maybe a, a slightly newer arrival to that team formally, and he's uh, working on workforce training initiatives. Um, you know, Jen Stevens and her colleagues from the Small Business Development Center. Patty Cox is with the Procurement and Technical Assistance Center. Seriously, there are about 16 faces on the screen there, so I won't go through all the names. Sure. But they are organizations that people would recognize around this community. And in many cases, I don't 
think folks realize actually that the University of Montana supports these operations and that public service, right? Right. When we talk about economic development impact of the university, uh, I know people often think about it, well, sometimes think about it in terms of how much money is pulled in for a football game. And that's great. I love football too. (laughs) But I I think if we look at the overall impact that the university and programs like this have, um, it's, it's just far reaching across the state and, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars. And for a long time, uh, the Bureau of Business and Economic Research has been domiciled at the university. And that provides, uh, I think, a unique, uh, you know, baseline for all of these organizations to get data to help drive some of the directions that we need to be going. I mean, it's a good yeah. combination of all of those things being supported by the BBER. Yep. True story. And actually, we work with the BBER on our annual International Trade and Investment Survey. Uh, so that's where we're reaching out as an organization. The Trade Center is reaching out to our uh, exporting firms around the state, importing firms and firms that have foreign direct investment, um, just to understand, you know, what's working for them, what's not, you know, hot markets, how are tariffs impacting them, et cetera, et cetera. But yeah, the BBER helps us to put together that survey and, and execute it. You you alluded to all the faces on the screen, and we've all, oh, over yeah. the last two years, become accustomed to Zooming around. And the Trade Center historically had done uh, trade missions in person, getting on planes and taking companies abroad and hosting them. And that that has morphed during this last period to virtual trade missions. And I know you've just completed one this week to uh, with Israel and you've done, uh, you know, others in the past. How has that been going? Well, um, I would say better than nothing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. I was thinking about it the other. So what we just completed this week, in fact, it was yesterday or um, was the Montana. It's the second Montana Israel virtual trade forum. And this one had a focus on digital health. Right. So um, I, I the silver lining of trying to connect, make connections this way with people all around the world is that every single person, every single business, we've all been in this bucket, right? So, you know, we're all the same size on Zoom. So it's not like we've been at a tremendous, you know, competitive disadvantage if we're trying to establish new relationships or, or fan the flames on existing relationships. So that's good. And I and I think that the, the forums that we're hosting, uh, such as the one I just referenced there, or the ones we've, we've done in conjunction with um, we did one with the Irish ambassador with uh, bioscience focus back in the spring. They're good, um, but they're not perfect. And I sorely miss the opportunity <laughs> to, to actually travel in person. Um, I was thinking about it just yesterday that it, it almost uh, it's uh, these, these activities are so time consuming to plan. And, you know, when you finally, it's the days there and it happens and you execute it. It's a little like having a baby, not a lot, just a little bit, but these, these virtual forums and then it's all gone into the ether. So it's like you had to say goodbye to your baby. Right uh, you don't get the same energy back as you do from in person, as you know. Yes. Well, you know, I've always said and, and still stand by it that, you know, global business is based on relationships. It is. And you just can't build relationships on zoom. I mean, that's the real basic re- reality of it all. And yeah, I, maybe that makes us, you know, just maybe we're old, Arnie. I don't know, because <laughs> I can't think about all the relationships that uh, the younger generation is comfortable building. I mean, at least social relationships uh, virtually. So I don't know. Um, when you're writing checks and making purchases, you want to feel in touch and, I, you, you do. know, and, and all those <laughs> sorts of things. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, you know, I think that I think that's important to the overall health. And I think one, you know, example of that is that haven't we just reopened after nine years, the office in Taiwan? Yes. Yes. And, uh, I'm very glad to have that happen. And the, the woman that's staffing it, her name is Mei Mei Wong and she previously worked for the state. I think, uh, in the interim, she worked for the U S commercial service. So she's, 
she's very dedicated. Um, she knows Montana very well, and it's really helpful to have boots on the ground. Um, someone making the case and uh, for Montana and Montana goods and services in country is really helpful. Yeah. Hey, Artie, did you, sorry, I was thinking about it. Someone asked me this question the other day and how important it is to have trade offices like that overseas. And I absolutely very important. And just to put it in perspective, I know this is a big deal for Montana. We have two international offices, right? We've got one in Taiwan and one in Japan. Um, Las Vegas, just the city of Vegas has 11. <laughs> like, yeah. they have their 11 of their own offices overseas. So well, you, yeah. you're just validating the need to have, you know, to have relationships. Yes. And, you know, we reopened the office in Taiwan. Scott, you may not know this, but Montana does about $50 million a year in trade with Taiwan. You know, so the, you know, a lot of it is, is wheat and barley and mm-hmm. we import things from Taiwan, like surgical masks masks but we had the opportunity to restaff it we went back to someone who had staffed it before because we had a relationship with may may wong right the continuity you no know, continuity and we know her and we know her work and you know and so i think that's just a revalidation as things start opening up again that building the relationships and maintaining the relationships and rekindling relationships we've had in the past is is a huge part of uh, of of getting up to speed again. A quick question, because I don't quite understand how it all works. Is there someone at state level in Helena who is kind of the connect the connecting point gov- from a governmental standpoint that you work with and that May May would work with? Um, that's kind of a partner to you. Sure. So, um, Mamie Wong, um, is part of the Montana Department of Commerce staff and team, right? And, uh, Angela DeYoung actually runs the Office of International Trade at Montana Department of Commerce. So she and Mamie are most, um, frequently engaged. And the Montana World Trade Center is not a part of Montana Department of Commerce. However, we work very closely with Montana Department of Commerce, um, not only in, you know, training initiatives, we do a lot of trainings in conjunction with DOC or just kind of for them and uh, for our exporters around the state. Um, and our our interaction with Maymay, and in fact, we've already had a conversation with, with Maymay and uh, our, our representative in Japan, we have direct interaction when it comes to foreign direct investment because the trade center actually spearheads the foreign direct investment initiative for our state. So what Montana's business case is on an industry specific basis, um, you know, sharing that, that messaging and working with uh, to, to develop prospects that are likely uh, to actually consider siting in Montana or investing in a going concern here in Montana. Um, so, it, yes, lots of partnership there, and I hope that maybe explains how it all interrelates. Are there other World Trade Centers from a, on a regional standpoint that you have interactivity you interact with, like sure. in Wyoming and Idaho and in Bozeman? Yeah. Uh, so uh, there's a World Trade Center in Denver that we interact with quite a bit. Probably our our in Utah. There's one. There's not one in Wyoming. I don't actually believe there's one in Idaho either. Uh, so, uh, yeah, World Trade Center Denver is similar to ours in that they're a very service-oriented World Trade Center. So the types of things that I talked about, our buckets of work, you know, our, our work with uh, technical assistance for businesses and trainings, and they they do these things as well. Um and then our the Utah one to some extent. So, I mean, it's good to have a network. Right. I mean, I just referred a client that, that reached out to us in Montana that had some very specific needs in relation to um, transitioning an e-commerce platform. And I knew I had a colleague at World Trade Center Denver who had the perfect background for this. So it's good to have that network to call on. Scott, many of the World Trade Centers are real estate-based World Trade Centers. Yeah. And in the era prior to, uh, you know, the swarming nature of the Internet, 
in many countries in the world, the international business all congregated in single buildings. Mm. And then the buildings would provide central services to a lot of the tenants. So they would have, you know, telex, a word that probably hasn't been mentioned online in, you know, 40, you know, 30 years. <laughs> right. They would have a teletype or telex service in the building. They might have translators in the building. Right. They may have conference centers. And so a lot of the world uh, trade centers were built around being the focal point in their city for international trade and commerce. We, you know, we, uh, the, the original founders of the Montana World Trade Center thought about the same thing, having a building to do all of that. And they thought that should be in Great Falls and that just never happened. And so, you know, we, the, the one here became a, a service oriented World Trade Center because that's what the marketplace needed sure. more of. You know, speaking about service, you know, Brigida, what is the international reach of Montana businesses these days? Hmm. Well, um, specific to service exports, Arnie, or all? Service or products, you know, the whole range of things. I mean, most of our listeners don't think of Montana businesses as being global. Oh, yeah. We have a whole host of them from, you know, TSI, you know, and Larry Kolb's operation to a whole host of others. Yeah. Well, and you started to talk a little bit about our, our trade stats there at the beginning, but, you know, let's do a little bit of, of education on, on that side. I mean, every year Montana exports, they were down last year in 2020, but even last year, $1.5 billion worth of hard goods. Um, and so, and then on the import side, we import far more than we export as a state. It's somewhere in the range of Four billion last year, but where we send our our hard good products to, um, you know, usually and sometimes the positions shift. The top position is always Canada. We always ship the most uh, product to Canada, but then Canada, Korea, China, Mexico were our top um, partner countries for exports in 2020. And on the import side, there's a lot of crossover actually. So Canada, China, Mexico, and Taiwan. We're top imports for 2020, import country partners for 2020. So, but we do ship products globally, right? I mean, you just re- referenced technical sourcing international. They've got research and development kind of and sales arm here in Missoula, Montana. This is a, a firm that's, you know, a very large player in the functional food industry globally. They have operations not only here in our state, but they've got operations in mainland China. Uh, where they do a lot of their ingredient manufacturing. They, they sell their products all over the world. You know, one thing that's interesting to talk about, because I threw some trade stats at you there, it's just really important to keep in mind as you look at those and think you've got the full picture of Montana that you probably don't because statistics can lie sometimes, right? Uh, or, or not tell you the, the whole story. One thing that gets lost when we look at trade statistics that are easily pulled up, like through the the U.S. Census Bureau, they're not tracking our service exports from the state, right? So when I talk about service exports, I mean, you know, it it can be, think about all of our software as a service firms that exist in the state, you know, those SaaS firms, they're exporting product all over the world. And a lot of firms like that are capable of being exporters pretty early in their, their growth process. Right. So I do think that, you know, beware that these stats aren't in the stats that you see Uh, those hard good exports uh, are tracked by bills of lading. So there's that. And then, you know, even on the service exports, I was having a conversation last week with uh, like a wildland firefighting company, in Montana, and they have a service export fighting fire, right? And so they've expanded operations outside the United States over the last few years, serving markets in South America and even looking at Australia. Um, because, and that's great for our, our Montana based firms because right. they have less, you know, cyclical business. Well, they can round out the business that ha- happens here in the United States during the summer months, or at least historically, and work all year round. 
Or, or for example, someone like Sherry Davidoff or LMG, yeah. who's yep. doing all kinds of work. And we've had her on before on data breaches and cybersecurity, and, uh, yeah. ransomware threats. She yeah. has clients all over the world that she's providing yes. services to. Which, yeah, she's got clients all over the world. She's capable of offering that service and, and exporting it. Um, yeah. And certainly the threats are coming from all over the world. So it's good to. <laughs> She's got the capability to serve everywhere. Let's do a quick ID. Our guest is Brigida Miranda Freer. She is the executive director of the Montana World Trade Center, located right here on the University of Montana campus um, in Missoula. Brigida, do you are you finding the work you're doing with, like, let's say, the folks at the MEP um, who are trying to attract and bring businesses to? this area to the state and also to this area is there is there an increase let's say in terms of inquiry and activity now that we're kind of on the back end hopefully of of covid or is it still are we still kind of in a lag period so on the business attraction front our organization focuses principally on foreign direct investment so business attraction but from foreign entities looking at montana Yes, we do absolutely collaborate with not only Missoula Economic Partnership, who I believe is the MEP you referenced there, but other economic development organizations around the state, as well as with Montana Department of Commerce, because they're the lead on business attraction for the state right now. So, um, so actually very good partnerships with the EDOs across the state. Um, and I know that they very much appreciate the content that we've developed. Again, Montana's business case on an industry-specific basis, because even though we develop those to support our FDI business attraction efforts, they are useful for any EDO who, who is trying to make the business case for Montana, right? So um, if, our listener, if your listeners are interested there, I definitely encourage them to check out our website at mwtc.org and look under the resources tab for those. Um, what I wanted to comment on there or just in complete answer to your question because you you asked hey are things slowing down are the inquiries still coming the inquiries are absolutely still coming and i i think that what i have noticed particularly over the last well probably over the last eight ish years and it's gone on this trajectory you know a hockey stick curve kind of trajectory during right. uh last couple is that knowledge-based industries are not only forming and thriving in Montana, but there are knowledge-based industries that are looking at coming to Montana or establishing operations, a branch of their operations in Montana, maybe even as just getting a toe in the water here for a larger scale uh, eventual move. Why? Well, I think that people have discovered this this tie between um, having loyal talent and a positive impact on their bottom line. So I tend not to talk about quality of life because every single economic development organization on the planet talks about quality of life when they are trying to, you know, do a business attraction pitch. We know what it's like here. We know why we're here. You know, we are enlightened and, uh, you know, I don't know where you're from originally, Scott, but I'm from the East Coast originally, but I've been here for almost 25 years at this point. I am never going back. I was going to ask you, I was, yeah. I, I did, I was going to say, what is your background? Because yes, I am from the East Coast as well. So yeah. you came here 25 years ago. What yeah. brought you here? Just about, oh, a job at the Montana World Trade Center. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, Arnie hired me many, many years ago, but, but. She was an infant. I was, you know, I took her into the, uh, in, in, into the, uh, the, the, the beginnings of, uh, you know, her life experience. <laughs> well, why did you consider Missoula, Montana? Yeah. Yeah. So let me not give you a flippant answer there. Um, <laughs> you know, my husband and I, yeah, I mean, we were in our twenties and we used to, we were that couple that would vacation out West all the time, you know, go on cool ski trips and, we were living, well, we had met and we lived and worked in the Washington, D.C. area for a number of years. And we just started thinking, we're like, well, 
what if we lived in one of those cool mountain towns? Well, just for a year, just to say that we did it, right? And we'll get it out of our system and then we'll move back to the big city. And and so this is, Scott, back in the day before there was widely available internet, for example. So, right. Yeah. So Lexus we, Nexus. No, we literally, you know, we had a, we had a map and uh, we just started kind of marking on the map places in the Rocky Mountains that were, we wanted an airport. We wanted a college town because we thought that that would really add to the, the richness and availability of cultural activities. And I think that's absolutely the case. Um, and yeah, we just wanted somewhere that kind of felt good and where we could find work. And so we, um, we flew into Denver, as I remember, got a rental car. And in my week long vacation that I got at the time, I think we put like 3,500 miles. On our oh my gosh. Checking out all these little towns and, uh, happened, you know, Missoula was definitely on our list and we got here and I, um, where else I, did you visit besides Missoula? We went to, we went to Bozeman. We went to Jackson. Um, oh gosh, I did a no, no here and forgot to turn my phone off there. That's okay. Yeah. Ski, so ski towns. Yeah. Yeah. Basically. But yeah, exactly. There were a couple of them in Colorado as well. Um, right. So, and then we just thought, well, these are all pretty nice. Let's see where we find a job. <laughs> so Right. But anyway. And of course, let me in, uh, jump in here. So back in 1997, in that previous century, uh, you know, I was uh, launching a staffed World Trade Center. And actually, there were very few local people here who had any international work experience. And, right. And Brigitte came in, you know, sent a resume and came in and she had more work experience than the previous four people I had talked to. And it was, you know, it was love at first sight in terms of getting, uh, getting her on board. It was, uh, yeah. Well, I, I remember that when my husband, John, uh, and I were talking about moving out here, well, I said, well, I'm not probably, I'm not going to be able to do anything relating to international business. So I, I actually had my, I got my teacher's certification to teach, uh, secondary Spanish. And, um, so when I, I serendipitously ran into Arnie here. I thought, well, all right. <laughs> yeah. And so, and, but my experience, I think, although it happened a long time ago and happened with, you know, maps uh, versus the internet and 3,500 miles on, on the rental car. I think a lot of people are, are making that personal journey, you know, not only physically here, but that, that journey of discovery too, as a result of the, Right. Pandemic. You know, they don't want to be something like my, my commute was an hour and a half, hour and 40 minutes each way every day. In DC? Yes. It was where, terrible. Where did you work in DC? Well, I worked right downtown, uh, you know, very, very close to the White House, but you know, I was living for a while. I lived in Baltimore and commuted. That's a long story, but then I lived in Laurel. So I would get on, you know, I would get dropped off at the mark which is the, the commuter train, the mm. commuter Amtrak train, then take that in. And then I would take the, um, metro. The, the metro and then I would walk the rest of the way. Right. And then reverse at the end of the day. So, you know, you just, it's not hard. My commute right now is 12 minutes. I live on the backside of jumbo. I've got 10 acres, an amazing view that I'm looking at right now when I talk to you and, um, you know, I can do the things that I want to do that I'm passionate about uh, right from here. And so, again, this this does fit into this this knowledge based industries of all kinds that are you know forming and uh, making the decision to establish operations here because they know they've got loyal talent. Are you originally not, from? Yeah. Are you originally from the Washington D.C. area? Uh, I was born outside of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. So oh, okay. if you ask me, my favorite football team is, uh, it is still the Steelers. Uh, yeah. Great ownership. <laughs> I don't worry about too. any of the in-state college rivalries. So. so what do you miss most about the East Coast? Mm, probably, well, I still have family there. Family, you know, and they do visit, uh, which I love. Um, and I guess the other the only other small piece of this, and Arnie will know this, and I don't know about you, Scott, depends on where you live back east, but I came from a part of the Jersey. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So 
you'll understand. But I came from a part of the country where every little even dive bar, and there were a lot of them, or you know, on those small towns, those communities where I grew up, had somebody's Italian grandma cooking sauce <laughs> in the back and yeah. making the most amazing, you know, just the most amazing Italian food. So I think that we have some decent choices here, but I miss that. It's always the conversation we have with Barney, right? Yeah, food. <laughs> it's food. food. <laughs> I mean, oh, you can't crappy be- food back east is would be gourmet food here in some cases, particularly in the, of the ethnic variety. Well, you yeah, know, the Italian you know, grandmas, the Greek yeah. food, yeah. you know, et cetera, et cetera. And We're it, getting better though, and again, yeah. I think that's why it's so important to have the the vitality and the 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 yeah. impact of other cultures, people from other places that come in because of the university presence. I really appreciate that. Yeah. So, I mean, so Scott, that's an interesting question, but more interesting for me personally is what I don't miss. I, I don't, I mean, like, I don't miss anything except like pasta sauce and my parents. So, <laughs> <laughs> hopefully, so, when they come to visit, they bring that. So, there you go. They yeah. send me some for Christmas. <laughs> do they? You know, Arnie, Gold Belly can only do so much. You really do need. That's like, true. I just, well, you know, I spent the whole month, as as we know, right. I spent the whole month of August in New York City. So I got my, I was satiated. I try to oversatiate myself for Thank the rest you. of the year. But Arnie, yeah. you, you did something very wise when you were there for the whole month. You walked everywhere. So no matter what you were consuming, you were burning it off. Yeah, I didn't gain any weight, which was surprising. I thought I'd come back. They'd have to roll me on the plane, but it no. didn't quite work out that way. Uh, no, it's good I was to walking four or five miles a day. Arnie, I just, mule, I just muled yeah. back uh, two dozen H and H pumpernickel bagels, <laughs> and uh, like a like a like a drug mule. Uh, yeah. I brought, I checked them in, yeah. and sometimes they they actually open it up at in, in baggage claim, you know, before they uh, and they take one. They think it's like. What is this substance? Yeah, well, what's the smell we're getting out of his suitcase? Right. (laughs) Never do coffee because coffee, you're really in trouble. They'll totally open it up. Yeah, of course. But anyway, yeah, we missed, we, I think we all missed the same things, but right. We don't want to trade this place for anywhere else. No. Let me, let me, let me me switch gears with Brigida because we've touched on this in a couple of different ways. I'd like to kind of uh, have her elaborate on it. So we have a lot of businesses in Montana that are homegrown, you know, sole proprietor small entrepreneurs who don't think when they're building their business that they have any kind of international, you know, focus. Yet they develop a social media presence and boom, they get customers from other countries that want their products or services. And they've never dealt with other countries. So for our listeners that find themselves in that situation, you know, what kind of advice or what kind of services, are, you know, do you offer for a company where all of a sudden is finding they're having international clients and they or customers, they don't know anything about customs or duties or, you know, currency exchange or all those kinds of things that are freaked out by it? Right. Well, I think that you're right. The Internet really changed the dynamic. Um, it used to be that only pretty well-established firms were the firms that were out there and and executing export transactions. Um, But, you know, the internet suddenly gave people a global presence that they certainly would not have been capable of having before. So what I would tell them is that there are plenty of opportunities to learn. um, And the World Trade Center offers a number of those, not only through the trainings that we put forth. I mean, I think our next kind of practical one for somebody just getting into the uh, the business of exporting is one on Inco terms. That's international commercial trade terms, right? You better be sure you're using the right one if you're shipping your products these days, especially with the backups that we're having at our ports, right? Um, and I would also tell them, you know, well, don't be, certainly don't be frightened by it, but do be, you know, cautious about your approach, do take a moment just because you're getting a whole bunch of inquiries doesn't mean that you just have to be completely reactive and okay, we just got five inquiries from, you know, this country here. And so that must be where we go. I mean, be, be intentional about your approach, take your time, you know, do an organizational assessment to see really what kind of capabilities you do have, um, what kind of staff 
would be dedicated to something like this? If there are gaps in that, you know, who are the partners that you could reach out to around the state to help you in your international marketing and business development efforts? The Trade Center often steps in as sort of that on-call extension of a sales and marketing team or a business development team that's dedicated specifically to international. And I would also tell you to, um, timing is good. For something like this, if you are a new to export kind of firm, there are programs that are available out there right now to assist you in your exporting endeavors and, and not, not just assist, like I'll give you a pat on the shoulder. I mean, give you money. <laughs> so for example, there's a state, I think it's called state trade expansion partnership. It's step is the acronym program that the SBA, the federal SBA provides some funds for this. And there are many grants that are available for exporting firms to help you do things like translate your website or your materials or get certifications that you will need to sell your product in other countries or attend a trade show. So times are good for you if you are, you know, taking a methodical approach, evaluating what your needs are, reaching out to get the right partners on board to help you. And then you actually have some funding that can help you do it. So that's what I would say. And that's a very good way to, uh, you know, encapsulate all of that. I have a question, Miranda. I'm uh, sorry, Brigida. Miranda. Miranda. I'm, looking, I'm looking at your, your, by the way, I'm looking at your uh, LinkedIn. And it's one way folks can connect with you is through your LinkedIn. I see. Um, but if you had a crystal ball, Brigida, and you were thinking about, you know, you've seen the growth over the last 25 years, having moved here in 1998, and then put a you know crystal ball 10 years down the road. What does this place look like, right? Right. What does Missoula, Montana, Western Montana look like that maybe uh, development-wise that it's not here today? I think we'll have an innovation corridor gateway project as I envision. I think that'll have a branded World Trade Center in it because I think nothing really makes the case for Montana's place in the global community like a globally recognized brand <laughs> and mm-hmm. I'm tenacious. Um, I think that we are going to continue to see uh, an inflow of not only individuals who can work remotely, but firms that, like I mentioned before, are you know, knowledge-based industry firms, whether we're talking um, cloud computing firms or we're talking about bioscience type firms or, um, you know, firms that might even be in the photonics and optic, optics space. I think we'll see more and more of those firms not only site forming here, but uh, transitioning or establishing branch offices in uh, our state, in our vibrant small cities. We know that that right now Bozeman and, and Missoula are getting um the bulk of this interest, but it's just a matter of time. You know, people discover these places and they very, very quickly discover other places around the state that have uh, a similar, similar feel and offer similar kinds of advantages in terms of, again, having that loyal talent pool. So you, you can uh, well, certainly, increase turnover. Yeah. And, and like you said, certainly proximity and adjacency to a university or a college is crucial yeah. for that. Um, do you see it yeah. moving? Do you see, I actually, the question for both of you, do you see it, you know, not only continuing here, but also moving maybe towards Kalispell or Great Falls yeah. or, you know, a little well, here, more. Here's an interesting, east. here's an interesting factoid that sort of fits in with this conversation. I've had kind of, I've had some discussions recently with two or three um, entrepreneurs that are in the finance sector, that are in the venture capital sector, that are living half time or more in Big Sky. Mm-hmm. And while I never thought much about Big Sky, I understand the attraction for folks that are in the financial services area and and, and the kinds of businesses that they are engaged in that don't require them to live in any particular place. You know, if you're funding entrepreneurs around the country, you can live anywhere. And I've had three uh, conversations recently with people out of Big Sky that are moving there in that area. Yeah, I would I would second that. I mean, there are businesses that have, you know, geographically agnostic business models. Right. So so that's great. That goes well for our state, particularly as we ramp up our broadband capabilities. But in answer to your your question, Scott, I mean, it's. 
it is already happening in other parts of our state too. I mean, like, you know, you mentioned Great Falls and Kalispell. The Great Falls has an agritech park. We talked at the beginning or earlier in this segment about um, economic development organizations around the state that we're working with. Great Falls is, I don't know. I I don't want to, um, I'll say it. They're one of the best. They They have one of the best. best. They work so hard and they pull all in one direction as a community and they have a very thoughtful plan. There are other places in our state like that too. Butte, outstanding uh, community of, of people to work with. And, you know, one of the things that I love about Butte is that they, obviously people around our state know Butte's history, right? And, and, and the importance of mining to that community. Um, and certainly they mm-hmm. recognize more than any other uh, part of our state, how important it is for them to embrace what they have, but plan for the future. What does Butte look like moving forward and how can we achieve that? So, you know, Port of Montana outside of Butte and the Montana Connections Park there is an amazing facility. Um, and they have, I just was out there, I don't know, a couple, two months ago, maybe August, I guess, at this point. And they were breaking ground on a couple new facilities. So it's already happening around our state. And it's not just the geographically agnostic business models. You know, there is a case right. for different types of manufacturing uh, in our state. And so our communities are being vocal and intentional and bringing in some really good projects. It's exciting. It's a, that's a good place. Let's, that's a good place to break. Our guest is sure. Brigida Miranda Freer, the executive director of the, the World Trade Center. And Arnie, we will be back after this with our final words with Brigida. Back after this. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Crow here with a gentle reminder that civilization is held together by pipes, wires, and cables. It's true. There are over 5 million miles of gas lines, power lines, fiber optic lines, water lines, and sewer lines all buried beneath your feet. And every 60 seconds, somebody digs into one. Look, if you're thinking about digging around, do yourself a favor and call 811 first just to find out what's down there. Trust me, you don't want to find out the hard way. Call or click 811 before you dig and visit safeexcavator.com for more info. The Department of Veterans Affairs is so innovative, it not only improves the lives of veterans, it transforms the lives of health care professionals who serve them with access to the latest technologies and remarkable benefits. Transform your future at vacareers.va.gov. All right, we are back with our guest, Brigida Miranda Freer, Executive Director of the World Trade Center. So, Brigida, how do folks get a hold of you and find out about all the great things that you're involved with? Well... It could very well be that I'm still the only Brigitte in Montana. So either they can just stand out on the street corner and say my name and someone will say, oh, I know that person. Uh, or they can look us up online. We are at mwtc.org. That's Amazon Mother WTC.org. And uh, you'll find any and all information that you need to, to get a hold of us and to see kind of upcoming activities on our website. That is fantastic. Brigida, thank you so much. You've been a, a wonderful guest, delightful. We'll have to have you back for an update. Uh, sure. Yeah, Arnie and I love speaking to folks about this stuff, and it always turns to food, Arnie. I'm not sure why. That maybe <laughs> it's the universe. You're always hungry. That's why. And I'm hung- it's lunchtime. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, thanks again, Brigida. Arnie, I'll see you next week. Take care. Thanks, Take guys. care, Brigida. Thank Take you. Care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to What Do You Know? I can't wait for the next show, Scott. I'm excited too, Arnie. If you'd like to suggest a guest, send me an email at scottrichman at townsquaremedia.com. We'll see you next week. And thanks for listening to News Talk KGVO.
for the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.